0: Hello and welcome. This is the Odds Checker World Cup 2022 betting preview show, brought to you in association with Bet UK. We're just days away from kickoff in Qatar and we've got a serious panel to talk you through various things. We're going to be going through each of the eight groups, taking a look at the runners and the riders. Of course, we'll talk about the outright winner market, the golden boot winner, the golden ball winner, as well. I've got three brilliant guests with me. Stephen McInerney is here. Mark O'Hare, of course, betting analyst, betting supremo. Can't wait to hear what he has to say. Uh, having done, I've no doubt, plenty of research. Mark and Raj Chauhan with us as well. Tactical expert from the Premier League panel uh, Twitter account and other places as well this show brought to you in association with bet uk and before we get into the action let me tell you about a fantastic sign up offer that bet uk have for the world cup it's their best ever offer for new customers and it's england 1966 themed bet 19 pounds and get 66 pounds in free bets england going for their first world cup since then uh, hoping for a repeat bet uk providing 66 pounds in free bets when you stake £19. To claim the free bets, you have to register a new account with Bet UK and place a qualifying bet of £19 pounds or more within seven days of registration. T's and C's do apply, so make sure that you check the T's and C's before signing up for a new Bet UK account. And as always, um, if you're thinking of placing a bet on the World Cup or any time, we ask that you gamble responsibly. Please be gamble aware, understand the risks that come with betting. I think we should take a look at group A first. Uh, no need to change a, a standard formula. Um, we've got Netherlands, Senegal, Ecuador and the hosts Qatar in Group A. Netherlands understandably a strong favourite to qualify from the group 1 to 16 with Bet UK, Senegal and Ecuador is perhaps the most interesting question in terms of, of who the bookmakers are priced up to advance with them, and Qatar big outsiders at 13 to 4 to qualify. I'm going to start with Stephen because of the four of us, you've got the strongest beard. <laughs> well, you know. And that feels like a good way of choosing. <laughs> um, Stephen, taking a look at, at Group A, talk us through your main thoughts on this one.
1: Uh, this feels like potentially Netherlands to lose, really, doesn't it? Though it does a lot depend on money really, doesn't it, with his fitness, because that's been an issue going into this game. But I'm looking forward to seeing the um, Qatar can and actually do anything, because obviously they they're there by default, so to speak, and they, they've got a team mainly made up of players from that. I think it's entirely from players from the league, actually, mm-hmm. so it's not loads of experience, apart from the lad who was at uh, Villarreal, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a riff? I think, it was his name pronounced? That's right. I, I get names terribly wrong, I'm so sorry, <laughs> in advance. Um, but usually, obviously, the host nation, they always do tend to bring a surprise or two, you know, and I think only one or two have ever failed to get out of the group full stop, which is a bit crazy. I don't think Qatar quite have that quality, But you never know. Stranger things have happened in football. For me, though, obviously, um, I'm really curious to see how Netherlands do. You know, they're they're probably quite a long way away from that golden generation they had a few years back. You know, Mm. you think of all the the famous names they had. And it's not quite as a glamorous squad as it used to be, but it's still obviously chopped full of quality players and uh, obviously built around, you know, possibly one of the best centre-backs in world football, if not the best, which really will help in Virgil van Dijk. So, yeah, I mean, to me, um, it's an interesting group because it's sort of open, I would say. Netherlands... Are great, but they're not what they, I would say, they're not the powerhouse that they used to be in general. And, yeah. and the other teams that are definitely capable, Ecuador as well, with the, you know, loads of Premier League quality in that team as well, the Brighton lads, yeah. Yeah. Casino uh, and Stupian as well.
0: So. Absolutely. Uh, Raj, Holland, the Netherlands as a nation, always one of the most fascinating tactically, such a strong identity. Louis van Haal's the manager, how's he got them set up ahead of this one? There's, there's that Dutch style total football four three three. 3 Van Haal's not that wedded to it.
2: No, yeah, it's an interesting his style really. He has done a big transformation on the Dutch national team really since the Euros, which was a pretty really failed campaign from De Boer. Um, but if you look at his record, he's got 11 wins, 4 draws and 0 losses. So he's heading into the tournament in brilliant form really. Mm. Um, but yeah, system wise, he's using a 3 at the back formation. So it's a kind of a 3 4 one, two. Um, And that back 3, what I like about it is all three of them are very good ball players. Yeah. Obviously Ake on the left side. Van Dijk in the middle, and then Jürgen Timber from Ajax have been playing on the right. All three of them can progress the ball out the back. So you can get a foothold in any game, really, which has allowed them to beat some big nations. They've beaten Belgium uh, twice, one of them quite comfortably. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then in midfield, you may say the Dutch don't have that many big stars, but I think they've got, as Stephen said, a lot of talent there. Um, Frankie de Jong, for example, doesn't really get maximised at Barca as a main kind of hub of uh, Barca's build-up play because they've got so much of a talent like Pedri and Gavi. But for Holland, everything runs through him. And he's like a conductor, the orchestrator of all their attacks. His carrying of the ball is a big feature of Holland's game. And then also up front as well, another guy who doesn't get used that well at Barca, Memphis Depay. He is in hot form for Holland uh, over the last couple of years. I think he's close to becoming their top scorer pretty soon. Um, And I'm a big Memphis Depay fan. I think he does get harshly judged on his time in the Premier League. But I think you've seen a good evolution in his game since then. He's a he's a second striker, of thought, so he can create, but he can also score goals. Um, so he played in the front two, Stevie Bergwijn uh, from previously of Spurs yeah. um, up front. And then behind that, they've got another guy in form, Cody Gadpo from PSV Eindhoven. Yeah. He's been on fire, really, this yeah. season. Um, and he's another goal source. So they're looking pretty good, I think, the Dutch, and could be
0: causing a few um, waves in the knockout rounds as well. They've got some... Fabulous technical players. They have a style that, that could see them cut loose and, and play some exciting attacking football. Mark, teams like that heading into the World Cup don't always hit their stride in the group stages. And we have seen a lot of teams heavily favoured to win groups uh, over the last few iterations of the World Cup who actually get dumped out at the group stage. I always think from a betting perspective, because you've got Netherlands 1-16 to to qualify, a few others in other groups really short, For me, the interest comes in, can we work out who of the the big dogs, so to speak, might struggle? Mm -hmm. And if they do, who's well-placed to progress in their stead? So, Senegal, the AFCON champions, Ecuador, I've seen a few shouts for a little dark horse pick there, and then Qatar, the hosts. Talk me through what you're thinking here. Well, I don't think the Dutch are bomb-proof at
3: 4-9. Um, I wouldn't be backing them in multiples or even to win the group at that price. Um, I don't like the goalkeeping situation they have right now. There's a big question mark there. Memphis doesn't start the tournament either. He's injured. He'll be missing the match against Senegal, which kind of evens itself out a little bit mm. with Mane being absent for Senegal. Um, Qatar, the host nation, has never lost their first game in the World Cup. So they're hosting or they're taking on Ecuador in the opener. So Ecuador, are everyone's sort of talk, talking about as being a dark horse. Brazil's head coach has, has talked about them as being the, the surprise package coming into this competition. I can certainly see that, but I think the odds have moved probably a bit too far in their favour mm-hmm. after the Mane news came out because Senegal were pretty strong favor- second favourites behind the Dutch. So I think there might be mileage in getting Senegal on side to qualify at 19 to 20. There is quality across the board. Everyone looks to Mane, he is the the sort of spiritual leader of that team, he is the superstar, but there is quality elsewhere. Defensively, they're rock solid. They've lost two games in three years. They arrive in in sort of a really good headspace after getting that African Nations off their back as well. And I just think the draw does them favours as well. Ecuador starting against Qatar, that's a difficult game. Their second match is against the Dutch. You kind of want to play the Dutch first because they've had, what, a week's turnaround from domestic matters. They're going to get better as the tournament progresses. Senegal will play them first, so there's an opportunity there to spring a surprise, avoid defeat. Then you play Qatar second and finish with that all-or-nothing game against uh, Ecuador, which could be outrageously fun. So, um, yeah, I'm still sort of sticking with Senegal. I wanted to be with Ecuador from the beginning of the competition, mm. but the Mali news has now sort of changed the prices enough for me to sort of ease off them a little bit and go back on the Senegal bus.
0: Okay, well, Netherlands, as you say, not bomb proof. So, Senegal at 9 2 to win the group, Ecuador at 11 2. Um, I, I guess for anyone who, who, who's interested in someone to take on Netherlands, it's just weighing up uh, Mane's fitness and, and how much his impact might, uh, or how much his absence may impact Senegal because you know they are the AFCON champions. It's not just about Mane, is it? They've got Koulibaly at the back, Drissa Gay in midfield. Uh, they've only conceded 51 goals in 77 games under wow. the manager, Aliu Cisse, So not hard to see how that could translate to a bit of success uh, in the group stages. And I think we're all interested to see how Qatar get on in terms of preparation for this tournament. Well, the amount of time they've sunk into it with essentially a six month long training camp. Um, mm. they, they've, they've played friendlies against various nations, various club teams as well, trying to recreate tournament competitive international football. I'm not sure how well they've actually got on in that regard. And I know when they've played against top 50 ranked nations, their record is very, very poor. So um, all eyes on that opening game. and We'll get a much better idea of of what this Qatar team is actually like on the biggest stage. Uh, Group B is the group that contains England. They are the favourites to win the group at 3-10 to with Bet UK. Outside of England, it's, it's a really interesting market because Wales are 11-2 and the USA 6-1 to to win the group. They're both evens to qualify from the group. So it's sort of pick them uh, in the eyes of the Bet UK traders between Wales and the USA with Iran, the outsiders uh, of the four. Stephen, is this... England analysis going to come from the heart or from the head? <laughs> and are you a positive England fan? I am. Or not? I've been burned a lot, mate. I've been burned <laughs> a lot. No, I'm a
1: realistic England fan. England got a good team, and that's it. I mean, this group, though, it's a, it's a fun group. Um, we could see another famous 1-1 victory for the US, you know, so who knows how it's going to go, but... Like, I look at that group and it, there's just lots of stories there. And ultimately, as a football fan, that's sort of what you want. And that's not really any deep dive analysis. It's just an emotional reflection of looking at the group. And look, the US and Wales, and obviously there's no real history with Miranda um, and football in a sense. But that's just a really interesting group in England. I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like that at all, you know, versus players. Because you know, emotion especially at a World Cup, and that sense of story can drive teams to so much further. We've seen Wales get to the semi-finals, you know, with the mm. uh, the Euros before, and uh, the US, of course, they missed out. Was it the last couple of World Cups they missed out, or was it the yeah, last one? Last, last couple, one, last, yeah. couple. Oh, last one. Um, they're they're going to be massively up for it. some quality young players as well, you know. Especially young players with English Connection, obviously, you know, Anthony Robertson, there, Gio Reina, a guy I've got a soft spot for as a City fan, you know, and yeah. um, Pulisic, of course, you feel like he's got a lot to prove. May be, you know, maybe some people don't think he does, but... It's going to be fascinating. Um, England, they should win this group. I'm expecting not to be smooth, though. I think, in, I think in probably a couple of draws and maybe a surprise defeat at some point. But no, maybe that would be terrible, actually. That'd be that'd, <laughs> that'd come out. Maybe, maybe a surprise defeat but a couple of wins. You know, I think okay. someone could pick them there. Maybe Wales,
0: something like that. Raj, rock solid group favourites, England, mm. or not? If not, who's best place to hurt them?
2: Um, yeah, it's a good question. The Iranians actually, I think, could be an underrated horse going into this. Uh, I think they had a recent 0-0 draw against Uruguay. Uh, that was a pretty impressive result. And they've got a manager with a bit of pedigree, Carlos Queiroz took yeah. Egypt to the AFCON final with not much mm, star names in that team, really. Uh, just Mo Salah, of course. Mm-hmm. And he's now the Iranian manager, and he's going to be horrible to play against, I can tell you that. He puts probably the deepest block in the tournament. It will be Iran's. So it's going to be a, a nightmare match for us, I think. And they have got Mediterranean at up front as well, who's yeah. um, getting a few goals and assists for Porto. He's got a bit of Champions League pedigree. Mm. So I think this could be a tricky match as well for, for us, as well as the USA and Wales matches. So uh, maybe I'd say I'd still back the Welsh, I reckon, as a, as a okay. biggest threat to the uh, to, to England finishing top. I do like the team, obviously Bale, he always turns up for Wales. He, he turns into a different animal really for them. He's great, anyway. He, by
1: the way, Gareth Bale? I actually <laughs> yeah. love Gareth Bale. Everything he
2: stands for, just yeah. Wales. Is Golf. Yeah. Golf and Wales. Golf and Wales. <laughs> it's class. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, and, and I've got a few other names as well. I mean, Brennan Johnson's uh, been decent in over the last couple of years. Uh, Dan James as well. So it's not just Bale. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Wales play with a number nine or not, or if they put Bale as a false nine, because they have done that. Yeah. But I think Kiefer Moore's looking pretty impressive for Bournemouth. So I'd probably back him playing up front and then probably playing Bale and or Bale and James behind him, because mm-hmm. uh, they do play a 3-4-3 system. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think the Welsh could cause a few surprises. I think the US, a few of their players, Pulisic, Mckenney um, they're not in the greatest form, and I don't. They didn't pick a, one of their star strikers as well, Ricardo Pepe, for some reason. Do I'm they have sure. any star
0: strikers? I feel like that's <laughs> yeah. that's quite probably pushing it a bit. Probably yeah, an area of weakness, you know. The, the, yeah. At fullback, they're they're clearly very strong. Yeah. Their wide attackers, you know, undeniably strong. I feel like they are one of many teams that go into this tournament, not necessarily having a clear idea of mm. who's going to be the focal point of the attack. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to be fascinating. I feel like Mark, this is actually a group with quite a low goal expectancy overall. Iran, the, the deepest block in the competition, if only there was a market for that, um, <laughs> then, then they'd, be, they'd be heavy favs. Um, Wales, definitely a reactive team, a counter-attacking team at their heart. USA, much more athletic um, and can attack well, but, but maybe haven't got the best goal scoring record. Even England themselves, a team that prioritise control over expansive attacking football and committing numbers forward. So a low goal expectancy, which I must admit as an England fan makes me nervous. Low margin games, set pieces could be the difference maker. England have been very strong from set pieces, but I can see where there would be opportunities for, for England to, to have a bit of a shocker. Where do you stand here? I think England's understandably are fair favourites.
3: Um, I don't really want to oppose them at those prices, but this is a, definitely a, an awkward group, I'd call it. And, and Raj has already sort of stolen my thunder really on Iran. Um, mm-hmm. I like them at 13-4 to four to qualify from this group. They're playing England and Wales in the afternoon heat, so conditions will suit. Um, Wales do have problems breaking down deep-line defences. Mm-hmm. So unless is going to score a blinder from 30 yards or a free kick, which we know he's more yeah. than capable <laughs> yeah. of doing, um, it could be a tough afternoon. Uh, and Wales have to play England on the final match day. So if England haven't already sewn up qualification, that's not the kind of game you want to be going into mm. needing a victory. So. Yeah, you talk about a low-margin group in terms of goal expectancy as well. That lends itself to underdog victories, mm-hmm. and I think Iran can have a, a much better say in this group than the thirteen to four gives them credit for. Um, I think they've got the best coach in the group as well, Carlos yeah. Um You go back four years; they're in a group of Spain and Portugal. Turemi missed an opportunity in the last minute. If that goes in, they win that group. Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> score it; they finish outside of the Mm. qualification places and that's with Spain and Portugal Mm. you look at the group now and you think that's more manageable than it was four years ago I think he's got 16 or 17 of that squad back for this um, tournament again there's experience a lot of those players have grown with their clubs and moved on to bigger and better things Uh, and I look elsewhere of course we know all about England and Wales the Americans very weak at centre-half and centre-forward and the midfield I talk about an awkward group the midfield are just lung-busting energy they're gonna be in your face how much quality is there to actually get the job done, question marks about the coach as well, and their form outside of CONCACAF has been questionable. Mm-hmm. So um, I think Wales deserve to be slightly shorter than, than evens to qualify. I'd have USA as, as firmly third in, in the pecking order, but I think as a, a value bet-wise
2: around at 13-4 to as where I'd be going. Yeah, go I was going to say, the worry I have from an England perspective tactically as well is we're also caught between two stools. Are we going to use that three at the back system, or are we going to go for the 4-2-3-1? Southgate did try to be a bit more expressive against Hungary, and we lost 4-0 <laughs> with a four 2 3 one um, I think oh, it's pretty nailed on if we six do play. At the back now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's pretty nailed on if we do play a big nation, we'll use a three at the back. But I think he may end up using the four at the back against these nations in the group, and it could be a banana skin for us then.
0: Good. Well, <laughs> nice and straightforward then. Three potential banana skins uh, in in what is objectively quite an interesting group, to be quite honest. Um, I, I've got a good feeling about uh, the Wales team and uh, I suppose because the World Cup's the pinnacle for for every single team at the World Cup maybe the the strength of this Welsh spirit that I have in my head is is less of you know is less of a uh, of a marker but there's just something about them that that's hard you know not necessarily quantifiable in data or looking at stats but I just but my worry
3: about Wales is is the three games in a week. Bale has said on Monday that He's fit, he's firing, he's ready to play three games and three 90 minutes in a week. We'll have to wait and see if he can. Ramsey, who's not really found a home in that midfield now for for quite some time, really, probably since the the last Euros but one. And um, Joe Allen as well, who can be quite influential and integral, hasn't been fully fit either. Mm. So there's a few sort of senior statesmen who you look towards to lead that group question marks over them, but I think that in terms of the young guns, they've got a a really nice mix of experience and and flair as well. So yeah, as I said, I I think they deserve to be second favourites and I'm surprised that they're the same money as as USA
0: at evens, but uh, we'll wait and see. I think the Iran game could be key. (laughs) Bet UK do have an England not to qualify market. Uh, For (laughs) England not to qualify, current odds of 6-1. to Uh, which uh, I, was, I was trying to ignore pre-show and now yes. um, <laughs> i right, finding it a bit more out. difficult to do so. Uh, in, in Group C, we've got Argentina, the second favourites for the tournament, the 2021 Copa America winners, of course, beat Brazil, the favourites for the World Cup, uh, in that messy, heavily involved and just needs a World Cup to top off the greatest career, possibly the greatest sporting career of all time. Um, They're with Mexico at Poland and Saudi Arabia. Mexico are the second favourites to win the group and therefore to qualify as well. Nine to two to win it at seven to ten to qualify. Poland at even money um, and Saudi Arabia at six to one. Big outsiders to qualify from the group with Bet UK. Raj, what do we need to be talking about first and foremost in Group C? I think Argentina, they go
2: into the group undefeated in 35 matches. That is a pretty ridiculous record. To be honest, yeah. Um,
0: the reminds- last team that went into a major tournament with a crazy unbeaten record was Italy. Yeah. And they won, <laughs> and they won the Euros. Exactly, yeah. So
2: if, I think- uh, if
3: Argentina survived the group stage unbeaten, they break Italy's record as well for the most wow. unbeaten games in international
2: football. And they beat Italy in the at Wembley, remember, to win the uh, finalissima so they're taking wow. all of Italy's glory uh, <laughs> away from them. Um, but yeah, Argentina, I think the difference to them this year uh, and this World Cup is they've got a very solid structure in place. Before, it was all about the attacking flair up front, mm-hmm. but now you look from back to front, they've got good talent everywhere. Emi Martinez in goal, you start off with him, he's a very solid shot stopper. He doesn't let many in and he can pull out some uh, fantastic saves as well and he's got good uh, time-wasting uh, uh, in, his, in his locker <laughs> as well. that uh, we, for that football yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. time-wasting. Um, and then you look at centre-back as well, Christian Romero, I've been very impressed with him since he's joined yeah. Spurs. I think he has grown to be one of the best centre-backs in the league, uh, and that aggression he brings at the back, that, that's something they have missed for many years. Slight concern next to him, he's got Nicolas Otamendi. I think Steven knows him very well. <laughs> but he's, he's lovable. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't put it this way, Diaz
1: is an upgrade. Otamendi can be brilliant, though, that's the thing. In a game like, you know, in a big game, mm. he, he, he's called the general for a reason you know, at Man City because he can just suddenly have a 10 out of 10, or mm. a 4. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, more 4s than 10s, admittedly, but he can be great in a competition. I mean, is Lissandra, like not a he? Not yeah, for Yeah, Lissandro
2: not a starter for them, okay. uh, which I was quite surprised about. I, I'd probably. Think about playing him at maybe left-back, because his, his build-up quality, his passing is uh, mm-hmm. fantastic. But they haven't gone that way. I think the midfield as well is where they also excel. Um, they've got a, a real workaholic in midfield, in defensive midfield. Guido Rodriguez of Real Betis. He wins a lot of tackles, wins a lot of duels. And then they've got Rodrigo De Paul, similarly very strong work ethic. And then the other place is up for debate. Maybe Leandro Paredes, maybe Enzo Fernandez from Benfica, who's mm-hmm. had a, a fantastic um, start to the season. And then, of course, at front you've got Lionel Messi who's on fire this season um, champions League league one he's bit league one, sorry uh, he's bit, he's been fantastic in both tournaments, uh, and I, I, I actually think-, think he'd be
0: less effective in League one than in league <laughs> one It's a shame we we will never get to test that out yeah. uh, it, would it be fair to say that uh, you know in in hindsight Argentina not having won the World Cup um, with Messi that a lot a lot of time the, the narrative is well. Do you build a team around Messi or do you build a team in which Messi can be a part of, clearly, the star? Um, I'm not sure they've always got that balance right uh, in major tournaments. Does it feel, Mark, like they're in better shape than previous iterations? Oh, uh, absolutely. You think the
3: shambles they were at four years ago. Um, and it's incredible. Scaloni obviously recognised what needed to be done. Um, they certainly are the most star studied squad from Argentina we've seen for a long, long time at the World Cup. But they're certainly the most unified, the most cohesive. Um, you talk about the centre-half options. I wouldn't want to be playing up front against Otamendi <laughs> and, no. um, and Romero. And you've got probably Acuna at left-back as well. I mean, they're, they're a feisty bunch and they're, they're very tigerish in midfield, very physical, but then they've got the ability up front. You know, Lataro's had a, a great couple of years in Italy. Scoring goals, he's really flourished having Messi there for the ammunition. Di Maria as well, sort of had a bit of a rejuvenation as well. So, yeah, I like the starting eleven. Outside of that, there's probably a few more question marks mm. about who comes in if injuries do start to happen but
1: City lad's good I've we'll been watching this season he's <laughs> the kind of person once again who would be absolutely up for this he's absolutely um, relentless you know he yeah. never stops running and once again in the tiring heat and stuff I wouldn't be surprised if he contributes to quite a few turnovers you know defensively especially for the last 20 minutes and obviously mm. we know how important those little moments can be in football at a knockout competition so he could be a bit of um, a hidden gem for them
2: and, and they've re- received some good news Paolo Dybala is also fit for the tournament and mm. he's been fantastic under uh, Jose Mourinho uh, in Serie A for Roma this season so um, along with Alvarez Alvarez and Dybala could mm. be very handy options off the bench to change On the flip game flip side you've lost a, a Celso
3: as well who's been pretty key and in integral
0: mm. for, for a long time in that midfield so it, it feels like we can pretty definitively say that, regardless of of individuals and and highlighting how important or not they are to the team, Scaloni has found a way of winning football matches, certainly not losing football matches. whoever's been available for him, winning the copper America uh, as well, so getting over the line in a, in a, a major tournament, major continental tournament I, I've seen that they, they were winning at half time in twelve of their seventeen qualifying matches, so they've they've been good at starting strong and, and you know. Their Copa America matches, they're always going to be heavily favoured for the most part. So I dare say a lot of the teams will be sitting in and trying to frustrate, slow the game down. That's where a lot of big teams can struggle if they don't impose themselves early on in games. The data, the stats would suggest Argentina are very good at that under Scaloni. Um, Has anyone got any strong thoughts on the rest of Group C? It feels like we think Argentina are pretty strong. Mexico, Poland, Saudi Arabia. Who's looking Saudi strong? Saudi coaches, isn't it? He's, he's, he's one of the yeah. couple of Afghans, isn't he? Very right. like suave man,
1: isn't he? Yeah, unbelievably An iconic man. international <laughs> man. And winning in Afghan with the Zambia crystal, as well. Playing free for that reason. Pretty, pretty <laughs> yeah, but He's obviously got so much experience at, at international level and winning competitions and so on. That just makes them 10 times more credible, doesn't mm-hmm. it? And more effective. You just don't want to play them, you know, because he's proven time and time again that he can... You know, succeed at this level. So um yeah, elsewhere, you know, we just know the quality of the other two sides. And mm. Lewandowski finally drew a good World up, I guess, as well, because he he's struggled a little bit um, in knockout stages, hasn't he? And so on. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, Mexico—they've oh, been struggling a bit, haven't they? Or been, they've been the form been a bit iffy mm-hmm. under Tata Martino. Mm-hmm. So it's like they' they have got a little bit to prove. And I don't—I think they're, they're historically pretty good again at getting out of the groups, aren't they? It's just. Um, whether they can step it up this time. Because to me, Poland, I feel
2: like they've got a stronger shout than Mexico, mm-hmm. personally. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Mexico, a big blow for them is they've lost uh, Jesus Corona. Uh, FC uh, F. Porto's left winger, so he and he plays for Sevilla now, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's um, missing for the tournament. And then also, Raul Jimenez hasn't looked the same player in the last couple yeah. of seasons. So I don't think they've quite got the firepower. Lozano is looking okay for Napoli. But other than that, there's not much... Uh, to get excited about front, whereas Poland, in contrast, have Lewandowski. They've got Eric Milik in top form for Juventus at the moment, and also Piotr Zielinski has been Mm -hmm. uh, a key man in Napoli's rise this season uh, under Spalletti. So I fancy them just to have a bit more in the final third
0: than Mexico and and take that second spot. These are the sort of preview conversations I love the most, trying to compare Mexico playing in CONCACAF to Poland playing in the UEFA competitions, trying to work out, you know, Two teams that look very different have very different makeup, different strengths, different tactical approaches. Trying to work out how that will actually look when push comes to shove. Mark, uh, prices wise, value wise, what are you making a Group C? Um, certainly not having Mexico at seven to ten to qualify. Right, um, definitely not um,
3: for all the reasons that Raj has already outlined. Um, interesting because Poland's um, weapons are in forward areas. Um, defensively, I think they can be got out. I think they are quite suspect. If You're still relying on Camille. Glick at centre half and mm. Krakowiak a defensive midfielder. I think that's a that's a concern for me. But where are Mexico's goals going to come from? Mm. Uh, Raúl Jiménez was a top goal scorer in qualifying with three. All three were penalties. Mm. Um, you do worry about them. There's a, there's a real mutinous atmosphere around Mexico um, towards Tata Martino over the last 18 months. They've lost key matches against the USA in finals in Concacaf, which is unforgivable. Doing it once, but to do it twice in the same year, <laughs> you know they want him out and. Um, there's always this obsession about getting to the fifth game, getting past the last mm. 16 and playing a quarter-final tie for the first time in forever. But uh, I think they'll be lucky to get out of the group this time around. I think Poland have the edge, but it's a very difficult betting heat. But uh, just Mexico at 7-10 doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. So the default option is Poland. It's quite a short price as well as an alternative, but Argentina to score the most goals in this group feels like a bit of a gimme. Mm. It's
0: 3-5, to five, so it's kind of Acker material, I guess. Mm. Group D uh, has a, a very... Clear and obvious line after France and Denmark, strong favourites to qualify, both of them at three to ten with Bet UK, Tunisia eighteen to five, and Australia nineteen to five. So neatly arranged in little pairs here. Um, Mark from a betting perspective, France, the world champions. They won the Nations League as well in 2021. Deschamps, the longest-serving manager at the World Cup. He's won it before as a player, as a manager, uh, uh, known as being a, a very adaptable tactician as well. Um, but Denmark. It feel like a really nicely balanced team uh, and I know that there'll be a popular sort of dark horse pick. You know, m- my definition of the dark horse has to be anyone who's 10th or longer in the betting. There's a, there's a group of nine teams you can kind of rule out. They don't count as a dark horse. Um, Denmark might be the, the most fancied of the rest. What do you make of this group? Love Denmark. Uh, love them to bits. I backed them <laughs> at big prices at the
3: Euros and was heartbroken when they uh, lost to England in the semi-finals. <laughs> to even get to the semi-finals considering what they went through in that tournament is admirable really and i know a few of their games in the groups were in copenhagen and they were backed by phenomenal support really but uh you're right this is a team um they might not be there might not be a, a huge amount of stars in that squad but they're absolutely cohesive and they know exactly what they're doing they've got a head coach who's incredibly adaptable incredibly smart as well they've turned over france home and away this calendar year they know how to beat the big guns, mm. yeah. and um, with Christian Eriksen back in the fold as well, you've got that bit of X-factor, so I think at centre-half and I think wing-back situations as well, they're very, very strong. Centre-forward is always a doubt with Denmark, but I think they scored, I think they had 18 different goal scorers during qual- qualifying, which is wow. remarkable, really, <laughs> it shows the, the versatility of that team. Um, and yeah, I, I think uh, as an outright dark horse, I think you can probably get around 33-1 to 1 now, possibly slightly bigger on Denmark to go the distance it's probably up the right price now. Mm. Smart people got on them at 100-1 to 1 12 months ago. Yeah. That's definitely the wrong price. But yeah, they're, they're here, and I think to win the group um, at five to two, that's where I'd be looking over France because there are question marks over France right now. That World Cup winning, midf- winning midfield has been ripped up of injury. is now been ruled out as well for the tournament. Don't think it's the biggest loss, but um, they've got options elsewhere at center But that midfield, we know they're talented, the, the likes of Ximeni, Kamavinga, mm. Rabiot is now gonna be back in the midfield. Uh, or whatever your views of him of him are but they're two youngsters who you know to be sort of parachuted into into the same roles as uh kante and pogba that's a big Cuse big it. shoots to fill really and and the feeling in france right now is is concerned so mm-hmm. um they didn't want to be drawn in the same group as denmark they are so we'll see because the, the the carrot in this group to win the group you avoid argentina probably in the last 16 if the betting plays out as we expect so that match between the two is massive and yeah, you're right, just put a line through the group after that because Tunisia and Australia have to play well above themselves
2: to have any sort of opportunity to to qualify.
0: Agree with that, Raj? Yeah,
2: definitely. Um, I think the interesting thing with France is they've gone away from that blueprint which won the 2018 World Cup and they've kind of been forced to with Kante, Pogba having injuries and then Griezmann also suffering a bit of decline. Deschamps was was using a 4-2-3-1 system but now he's gone to a 3 at the back. Um, It's been interesting, it did lead to the Nations League win, as you said, uh, Ali in 2021, but it has looked a bit dodgy in this mm. latest Nations League campaign. As Mark mentioned, Denmark beat them twice. There's no consistency in that back line, which is the problem. None of them have really uh, played together much. It's going to likely be now a Lucas Hernandez, Varane, and maybe Jules Koundé back three. They've not really played together at all. So that that's a big worry for France. Varane's has injured out as well, isn't is he? Oh, yeah. right. And Benzema. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, Benzema. Benzema's out as well. Yeah, oh, well, I'm well, feeling it's a, To the start the competition, Yeah. are that, that is the thing, though, with Benzema and Mbappe. If they do get together and eventually start together they can win any match. He's got quality that. as well front, haven't they? You know, even the bench, yeah. you know, Dan Bailey and Coleman and yeah, so sort on, of yeah. and it's just
1: ridiculous. And even Kunku. Giroud, you know I mean? He's going to yeah. score a few goals if you play him, but it's just, uh, Griezmann as well there,
2: you know, yeah. for a little mm. bit, but still. That, forward line. This is the thing with Griezmann as well. I, I, I would have not been playing him personally. I think he has declined quite sharply at, uh, at, yeah. at Atletico. I think Christopher Nkunku is probably the better shout-out to players at number yeah. 10 behind yeah. that front two, but Deschamps got very loyal to certain players. Rabio is one of them, as Mark mentioned. And Griezmann is another one definitely so that might be somewhere they fall down eventually in a knockout round.
0: I'm torn between wanting to just nail my colours to the Didier Deschamps mast I think he's so good and so underrated and also understanding a lot of the concerns that we have about Can you give you just France. one quick
3: stat on France please? In 11 of the last 13 tournaments, major tournaments, they've either reached the semi-finals
0: well they've been eliminated in the group stage. <laughs> it's yeah. very a much <laughs> the <yeah>, emotional <laughs> side, isn't it? it is. <laughs> the last three World Cup winners have all gone out in the group stage as well. So Four Europeans have as well. It's a strange wow. old trend that. Very hard to win the World Cup, clearly even harder to defend it. No one's won it back to back for a long time. Group E has Germany and Spain in it, Japan and Costa Rica as well. Bet UK have Spain the favourites to win the group at nine to ten, with Germany. Uh, 23 to 20. Then Japan at 11 to 1 to win the group, 3 to 1 to qualify from it. Costa Rica 70 to 1 to win the group, 15 to 1. Um, surely the biggest outsiders of all because of the strength of Spain and Germany. Yeah. Stephen, have you got a strong stance here?
1: Um, to be honest, you can't. It's hard to see past Spain and Germany. The Japan do have quality. They really mm-hmm. do. You know, they're, they're very. Yeah conservative side but they've still got a little bit of quality. The, the, his name slipped my mind, but the bright Brighton, the winger.
0: Yeah Matoma. Uh, Matoma that's the one yeah he
1: looks really good and obviously got Tomiyasi Arsenal yeah. is you know a quality player, um, took to life in the Premier League really well. Um, but yeah, once again Spain and Germany. I think Spain are still probably a little bit weak up front, you know, um, mm-hmm. Marata, he kind of leads the line for them a little mm-hmm. bit still, but he's not he's not a killer in front of goal mm-hmm. and that could cost him later on the tournament. But as ever with Spain, the quality down midfield. You know, Pedri is a superstar. You know, already, had, and you know, Gavi almost doesn't get the attention he deserves because of Pedri. And then mm. obviously Busquets has been there and done it a billion times. Germany, Musiala could be the breakout guy of this tournament because mm. he's that good and that special. But I think both of these sides, as good as they are, still probably not quite as started as they used to be. You know, mm. we feel like they're both relatively in transition compared to you know, ten years ago when it was household name after household name. And, but they are still quality sides and that seems to be a relative thing across Europe when you actually look at the sides in general. Um, but yeah, for me, it's Spain, Germany, Costa Rica. Oh, a bit of experience. They've got the ex-Arsenal guy, Joe Campbell, there still haven't they, I think. Yeah. And I remember him a long time ago thinking he'd be a world class at one point. Didn't turn out that way, but still a good player. Caelan Averson goal is the kind of guy who could do you know a wonderful thing or two for them. And, yeah. But it's probably Spain and Germany. I would... Probably tip Spain for the group, personally. Uh, and Japan might get a point or two here against
0: one of those sides, but I can't really see
1: them
0: upsetting them. So I personally want to be with Japan uh, to qualify. Go I, I, I've got a very good feeling about the way that they might set up and, and how they could, in theory, hurt Germany and Spain if they can defend their own box strongly enough because of the talent that they have, particularly in those attacking midfield and, and wide options. The, the difficulty is they are up against, or they're probably in the, the, about as tough a group as they could possibly in, uh, be in, Mark. My question to you basically is, if I want to ride with Japan 3-1 to one to qualify from the group, who's most vulnerable out of the two favourites for you? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, it's a
3: tough question because I agree with Stephen, I think both are probably a year or two away from, I wouldn't say peaking, but being sort of probably real challengers and contenders to go the distance. Mm-hmm. But I got such trust in the head coaches of both, Luis Enrique and Hansi Flick.
0: Um, What does Flick's Germany look like compared to Yogi Love, who was there for so long? God, where do you start? Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Well, he's tried to basically take the the Bayern Munich model
3: to the national team. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely suiting the likes of Jamal Mussiala, who we'll get to later in the show. Because I've got a price which is barely too big to be true. Um, But probably tell what it is. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, very gung-ho, very forward-thinking... Issues at fullback still persist. They're likely to play Kerr at right-back, mm. who is, is a centre-back by trade. And, and left-back, you've got a, a wing-back in Rahm, who loves to get forward and probably not so good defensively. So they're, they're issues, but I think midfield is a nice balance. You've got the three behind a, a central forward, who would have been Timo Werner, but uh, that's uh, no longer possible because of injury. So um, I like Germany. Um, I like Germany actually to score the most goals in this group, at 21-20, because of that forward-thinking attitude.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, Spain... Brilliant between both boxes, but then centre half is a mi- massive issue. If you're going to start Eric Garcia in a knockout game, He's not <laughs> that? A <phrase. laughs> as, a,
1: as a Man City fan, genuinely, I, I, lovely man by all accounts, but I just don't, <laughs> I don't see it at all by any stretch of the imagination. I, I, I really just don't get it. With Would Eric you Nancy. prefer to
0: have Otamendi or Eric uh, Garcia? Absolutely,
1: Otamendi, because I Otamendi at least stands for something as a, as a defender. I, I, that sounds really cruel, but I just don't rate Eric Garcia at all. I think he's passive. He's timid, he's not strong, he's not fast, and he's quite short. And he's a good passer, but
2: that's just basically about it. It's interesting, you see that in the Champions League knockouts. Ottomendi actually stood up for Benfica and qualified them for the knockouts. Mm-hmm. Eric Garcia, his mistakes were costly for yeah. Barcelona uh, against Inter Milan. Um, I do think Spain are more vulnerable than Germany. I think one key aspect is their forwards aren't in as good form as Germany's. Mm. Sané, Nabri, Musiala, they're all hitting their stride recently. And even Kai Havertz in the last international against England scored two, so I think it will be that front four. And Germ- and Spain, sorry, will probably line up Morata on the, up front, uh, Ascencio maybe off the right, and Ferran Torres possibly Ansu Fati. but Ansu Fati, again hasn't hit his strides mm. like he did pre-injury. Um, so yeah, that those two attacking lineups. I think Spain could be vulnerable against Jap- Japan, especially
3: Spain. Spain start the tournament against Costa Rica, who are going to be one of the most defensive teams in the whole competition. Mm. Spain starting tournaments slowly is a tradition, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even Spain when they won't. have issues breaking down deep line defenses, mm-hmm. yeah. make
0: a hiccup in that first game, who knows what might nerve you. piling the pressure on Spain here. It feels like we're leaning a little more German in Group E. What about Group F? Belgium, the favourites to win it at thirteen to twenty, but Croatia, uh, the runners up in twenty eighteen, are here as well. Nine to four to win it, one to two to qualify. Then a the big gap. Morocco and Canada, not so well fancied. Um, Raj, Belgium finished third in 2018, Croatia finished second in 2018. We're four and a half years on now, so maybe that's not hugely relevant. Um, Who do you like in Group F?
2: Yeah, I'm not fancying those odds for Belgium to top the Group Actually, I think Croatia will top the Group. Um, Croatia, remind me a bit like Real Madrid. They won't always dominate a game, Mm -hmm. but they've got so many technical footballers in there, they can play through you from back to front at any moment. That midfield of Kovacic, Modric and Brozovic, mm. that, that, that's got so much quality there. Um, and even uh, up front, they've still got Ivan Perisic. Uh, up front, there's a slight concern, but they, they've got a new wave of young talent as well. Gavardio at the back mm. is a good centre-back for, from Leipzig, Campe left-back as well. Uh, Sutelo for Dinamo Zagreb caused Chelsea some problems in the Champions League at centre-back. So yeah, I quite like Croatia, and uh, I think yeah they'll beat Belgium. I, I've always had an issue with Roberto Martinez as a coach. <laughs> I think <laughs> defensively he's not the most sound at all. And they leak goals for fun. I think Netherlands uh, beat them four-one uh, a few months ago. Yeah. Um, and they're slightly caught between two generations. Uh, some of their older stars are, are aren't in good form. Hazard, Lukaku, they've all been in poor form slash injuries as well.
0: Kevin De Bruyne obviously still phenomenal. Um, but yeah. I don't fancy Belgium. Hmm. I remember at the start of this golden generation where it felt like Daniel van Boyten played for about 20 <laughs> years longer than he should have done, and, and now some of this lot are, are aging. But Mark, they do score a lot of goals, Belgium. I wonder if that's a factor here. If we don't think there's, or if we think that Belgium Croatia game may be the key, um, then it could also come down to goal difference and the goals that they rack up against the other teams. How do you see this?
3: I agree with Raj. I think Belgium are massively vulnerable in this group. I think it's it's much more even than the odds suggest. Uh, I can make a claim for all four teams. I can also oppose all four teams okay. in different ways. Uh, just on Belgium. So across the last three World Cups, these are the nations who have bombed out in the group stage at one point or another: Germany, England, Spain, Italy, Portugal, Portugal, and France. Mm. It can happen. Mm. And I look at this group and think it can definitely happen here. And there's no way I want to be with Belgium at thirteen to twenty. To win the group for all the reasons Rogers outlined, but that centre half partnership still Alderweireld and Van I mean, what they're 35 each, mm. uh, but the back three are all playing in Belgium, which kind of goes to show you the standard of mm. where they're at right now. Martinez is kind of refusing now to sort of change things. He's very very loyal to the old guard. The flip side is you've got Courtois, probably the best goalkeeper in the world right now. Mm. Kevin De Bruyne, probably the best midfielder in the world right now. Mm. So, um, but I mean, I can make you know you've already gone through Croatia. I'll I'll, I'll go and leave them. Morocco are the team that really interests me in this group, really interests me. Um, They made a coaching change at the start of the year and there's a a completely different outlook now in Moroccan football. They're feeling confident, they're feeling um, optimistic, uh, they feel like they've got an opportunity to qualify. You look at the team that might start, Bonu, the goalkeeper at Sevilla, Mm -hmm. rock solid. Centre-half, Syce, and the the guy from West Ham, Agued. They are brutally strong, (laughs) they've got the best fullbacks in the competition. Mazrawi yeah. on one side, Hakimi on the other. Not bad is it? Centre midfield is possibly a weakness. Yeah. But going forwards, you're relying on El Nassiri. I know he's not consistent, but he's better than some of the options we've Been got in competition. Goals exactly. Yeah. And then you've got um, Ziyech back from international exile. Uh, Buffal as well, uh, a lovely QPR boy. Elias I as was well. waiting for you to mention Ilias. So, um, yeah, I, I think Morocco are massive dangers for all these teams and, and they're two to one to qualify. That really appeals to me. But you can't rule out Canada either. Um, the issue of Canada is, is their, their sort of lack of testing against mm. teams outside their own region. But look out for Alfonso Davies. Obviously, everyone knows all about him, but he plays much more offensively for Canada than he would do for Bayern Munich. Mm. And uh, he's, a, he's a few big prices in the any-time goal scorers. If you look at them
0: individual matches, he's on penalties as well. Seem we might talk about KDB later on, but I'm interested to know from a City's fan point of view, City fans' point of view, rather. Um, I, I saw something online the other day that suggested that there was still some question marks about KDB, very specifically in the biggest matches that he's played in his career over the last few years. In terms of City and not getting over the line in the Champions League, um, is that in any way fair or ridiculous when I it mean, comes to KDB? It I seems relevant here at least. Five percent
1: fair, ninety-five percent right. ridiculous. Okay. There's not a single footballer in the history of the game that doesn't have the odd, you know, the odd bad game. Um, okay. It just so happens that. Uh, He's been in a City side, that unfortunately, bottled it around him often. He wasn't just, like, De Bruyne obviously went off injured in the Champions League final. um, Really good, decided to smash his face, um, which was (laughs) unfortunate and, you know, left him numb, literally, for months. Mm. Um, No, City didn't turn up that day entirely, uh, but De Bruyne, to me, has consistently been the best player on the pitch against Wolkowski sides for years now for Manchester City. Maybe not always in the European competition, though he has done that, but... Notably against be it Liverpool, be it Chelsea, be it Spurs, United or whatever. He's dominated these teams and it's weird that City have got a team so good and he looks often head and shoulders above the rest of his Mm. teammates. So I don't think there's any doubts about De Bruyne. As a City fan, this sounds weird, as an England fan, but if City don't, England don't win it, I kind of want Belgium to go far just because I care so much about Kevin De Bruyne yeah. that the idea that people question how good he is, it, it triggers me. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It really does. Like, he should be appreciated for the quality that he's got an awful lot more because yeah. I think we're witnessing an all-time great. I really believe that. But people talk a lot about legacy in football um, and they, they hang team accomplishments over an individual. bit too much in my personal opinion, mm. but he, that's the... That's, the, that's what's hung around his neck, so I guess if that's what it takes to answer some questions. Um, so be it. And I think he's had some good games for Belgium, I think yeah. he has, I think he's been brilliant at times, and often Belgium, like Man City, in the big competition sometimes, have bottled it a little bit, but I don't think it's always been his fault, so. I love KDB basically. It's a great thing
0: about being a presenter these days, you can just say something you've read on Twitter, <laughs> see what the answer is, and then distance yourself from it completely. Uh, I'm, I'm team KDB as well, don't yeah. you worry about that. Uh, I'm really interested in Group G, not so much because of Brazil, who are the, the very strong favourites to win it, 3-10 to 10 to win the group with Bet UK, 1-14 to 14 to qualify. It, it's mainly for me about Serbia and Switzerland, both of whom I consider on paper to look like they have quite good dark horse potential quarter-finals, maybe to sneak a, a semi-final. So Mark, from a betting perspective, where's the interest in Group G?
3: Well, I'm not going to tell you Brazil will win the group because they probably will. They've topped the group at the World Cup. Every World Cup they've been to since 1978. So let's assume they're going to win the group because they are World Cup (laughs) favourites. I think it does come down to the the match day three game between Serbia and Switzerland, which I'm so excited for already. It's on the 2nd of December. I think it's got the makings of being one of the best games in the competition. Goals and that, isn't it? Goals. Goals. I'm going to say violence. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perfect. Well, what a game! <laughs>
3: you might remember the, the the meeting between the two four years ago, politically, politically very charged, and there's a lot of bad blood between the two nations still stemming from that. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be nerve wracking for the two teams. But um, I give Switzerland the edge. Um, I think temperamentally they've got the edge, but I also think they're further down their sort of uh, development phase, if you like. They're a very consistent outfit. You know where all the fits fit, all, all the parts fit in that team. And I look at Serbia, I saw them quite a lot during the qualifying phase. They're a lot of fun. They'll get forward, they'll score goals, they'll be very, very offensively minded and put teams under pressure. And you look at the individuals in that team, they are absolutely stacked, but they're all in forward areas. And uh, I guess the concern is Mitrovic and Vlahovic didn't play at the weekend, mm. injured. Are they going to be fit enough for the start? Um, we'll have to wait and see. Rumour is that they will be and they're just saving themselves. That's a concern. Uh, and as is their defence, which is open. Um, I mean... Ireland created numerous opportunities against the Serbian team and and that's the Irish team who are relying on sort of lower league forwards from the the English divisions so um, I think Switzerland can certainly score against them and I think Mm -hmm. they're defensively sound enough to to progress Um, it all comes down to that final game so who can handle the the atmosphere the better and um, I would probably sort of edge towards Switzerland but the prices are even each of two so you're not going to get a huge amount of value, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm Switzerland in this case.
0: Uh, what about you, Raj? A Switzerland-Serbia leaning, or could Cameroon sneak in? I, I know that people who looked back at the Afcon felt that up until the point of lo- losing on penalties to Egypt, who, who went on to lose in penalties in the final, Cameroon had had actually arguably looked to the strongest of all teams up to that point uh, with Rigobert Song as their manager. Uh, what do you make of this one?
2: Yeah, Cameroon, they've got an interesting team actually. They've got obviously um, Zambo and Guisa in midfield. He's been mm. fantastic for Napoli this season. And then up front, they've got a bit of firepower as well. Chupa Moting's been in good form for Bayern, Brian Embuemo from Brentford, Abubaka uh, always yeah. has a good record for Cameroon, and Toko Kambi as well. So they could cause a shock or two in this group as well. Mm. They've got the goal threat to do it. Um, I, I think I'll probably back Serbia just about in second. But as Mark said, it's going to be very tight. Switzerland are capable of absorbing a lot of pressure and they're just mm-hmm. hitting you on the counter. Bril rapid, Rapid, uh, number nine for them. Um, interesting thing for them is they still use Granit Xhaka as a kind of a deep-lying midfielder, mm-hmm. as a defensive midfielder. And as we've seen for Arsenal, he's thriving much uh, further forwards these days. So it's interesting they still haven't adapted his role in the national team. Um, but yeah, I, I think it will be between those two. Cameroon may be sneaking a couple of draws, possibly. Um, But yeah, I I think I'll just back Serbia with that firepower, Milinkovic, Savic, Tadic, uh, and then up front, uh, Mark already mentioned the two strikers. And then Kostic, Kostic. yeah. Kostic has probably been Juve's one of their best players this season. Mm -hmm. He's got pace and his delivery is probably the most consistent out there from wing-back or full-back at the moment.
0: He's only got the best aerial threat potentially in world football to aim for in the middle in Mitrovic. In ridiculous shape at the moment has taken another leap over the last few years haven't we from the the player that we would have seen a couple of years ago for newcastle in the premier league and, and dare i say it, um previous serbia iterations mitra's in in pretty absurd form at the moment um group h is the last of the groups um stephen portugal are the favorites three to five with bet uk to win the group um, and then uruguay at 21 to 10 ghana at 13 to 1 south korea 12 to 1 and both of those two 27 to 10 to qualify, uh, an interesting one. Uh, the the favourites, Portugal. We should hear your opinions on them. They have got a bit of a city flavour with João yeah. Cancelo, part of their pretty impressive fullback options. Him and Bruno Mendes, uh, of course. Bernardo Silva is a key part of this team as well, yeah. uh, and and offers a, 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 is part of another varied threat going forward with Rafael Leao providing the speed. Cristiano Ronaldo, the elephant in the room. Yeah. Uh, what do we think? <laughs> are they are they solid here, or big, are they vulnerable? Big shiny elephant in the room. Um, they've got
1: a quality team, haven't they? Yeah, I think they're a team very much poised if they can find a way to, you know, gel all these players together. Because you look throughout the team, and realise it's just stacked with quality. It really is, obviously. Uh, you know, the City lads have said: Ruben Díaz, João Cancelo, mm. Ederaldo Silva, proven winners um, at the highest level. And then, yeah, you know, obviously Ronaldo. Is just did they build it around him, or did they just put him on the bench for a lap and put João Felix there with Bruno behind him and Joao Felix is not in great form either though is he at the moment mm. so, so that's another kind of thing for them Portugal you never know what kind of Portugal is going to turn up really I do think they'll probably go through this group quite comfortably though in the end because I think they do have the quality but I, it just depends if they do anything for Ronaldo because he's not scoring goals at the moment is he um, mm. uh, you know, for anyone really uh, I think you he, he saw I saw a stat about him having the most shots <laughs> in the knockout stages without scoring in the World Cup currently at the moment it's mm. like 25 shots or something like that uh, which is quite ridiculous but he does have that kind of big game mentality, I guess. Mm. So we'll see how it goes. But Portugal, yeah, I'm expecting him to do pretty well, personally. Mark? Portugal are the, probably the team I I, I
3: don't know. Um, yeah. Big question, Mark. <laughs> Ronaldo's going to start, which is a negative, I think. Yeah, I agree. Disrupts the balance completely. Um, it's probably going to be Bernardo or Bruno, not both. Which, mm-hmm. again, you know, and you've got Santos, who I know he's delivered uh, European glory. But uh, I think football's progressed in the last eight years enough to be uh you know historically you say you need to be conservative pragmatic in, in tournament football to, to be successful i don't think that is the case these days mm-hmm. football's moved on you look at the champions league knockout stages ding dong battles look at the way france won the world cup four years ago uh, they weren't doing that they were scoring heaps of goals in the knockout stages and i look at the portugal squad i'm not going to say they're top heavy because they've got quality elsewhere but you've got santos who is you know arch pragmatist conservative um But all that options going forward, and Ajota's missing as well, which is a big blow. It disrupts the rhythm up there as well. So I think they're vulnerable as three to five shots to win the group. Mm -hmm. I I think Uruguay there at 21 to 10 would be where I'd be heading. Um, Going through their own sort of generational shift, if you like, and there's a few veterans there who probably need to be be moved on. Uh, Diego Godin will probably start, and Mm -hmm. his pace, he's been declining for a long time. And if Ronaldo Ronald, uh, Araujo is not fit from Barcelona, that is a blow. Uh, the midfield is, is wonderful. They've got real quality, real bite, as we know. Uh, they're probably still sort of hanging on to, to Luis Suarez, but can he play three games in a, in a week is, is doubtful. So you're hoping that Darwin kind of gets into that sort of centre-forward spot and, and they build a team around him. So, yeah, I like Uruguay. Um, I've got doubts over Portugal at three to five. I think they're, they're short enough to oppose. Mm. I'm wondering
0: about South Korea. That the, the you know, clearly not as as well fancied as Uruguay, who seem a very popular kind of dark horse pick, shall we say, um, betting-wise. Raj, where do you stand with with Uruguay with this sort of mixture of generations? They don't have Oscar Tavares, who is their Mm -hmm. manager for ages. It's Diego Alonso now. They've still got Suarez, Cavani, Caceres, Muslera, and Diego Godin as well, all 34 or, or older, but quite an exciting young crop. Bentancur, Araujo, Valverde, Nunez as well.
2: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the coaching change. That has actually had a real positive impact on Uruguay. They were actually not looking at qualifying for the for the World Cup. Mm. And then Alonso comes in, changes the system, 4-4-2 now, very organised. And they've got flair all over the park now. Oh, You mentioned Ben Tanker, he's in very good form for Spurs. Valverde, probably been Real Madrid's best player this season, playing on the right wing and i expecting to play on the right wing of the 4-4-2 again and chip in with plenty of goals and assists. And then I like that strike partnership of Nunez and Suarez suarez at this stage of his career needs someone who can run the channels for him Mm -hmm. do the athletic side of the game really for him whilst he can just drop into little pockets and cause a bit of havoc nunes can do that that is his perfect role to be honest and he'll stretch defenses while suarez drops off and i like that strike partnership and i think they will top uh, the group ahead of portugal Uh, i mentioned carlos Quiros earlier santos is part of that same kind of portuguese stable of coaches Mm -hmm. but that's more suitable for someone like iran when you've got so many technical footballers Uh, But Portugal have, they should have employed a bit more of a forward-thinking coach by now, and I'm not sure why they haven't, and it could cost them in this tournament, I think.
0: I'm pretty interested in South Korea, I have to admit. Um, From what I understand, they are a a pretty progressive side, a good technical um, ball-playing football team, and and I think that they'll probably enjoy a fair amount of possession in some of these games. Of course, it's centred around Son getting good shooting opportunities. He's so good with both feet that if he is fit and if that that sore face or eye socket or cheekbone whatever it was is 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 you know allowing him to play properly then I don't see why he couldn't be a star in 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 the sort of um tempo of, of international football so I, I'd like to I'd like to be with South Korea personally I know that Uruguay are very popular and it feels like we we think Portugal may be a little vulnerable so that's the eight groups sorted uh, two weeks of group action upcoming and I think the. You know, Within all eight of those, we've got some really interesting uh, different dynamics in terms of bulletproof favourites, vulnerable favourites, some interesting outsiders as well. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they all play out. Some big match day three games as well on the horizon. Switzerland against Serbia is the one, isn't it, uh, I think, to keep an eye on. Now let's talk outright winner, the winner of World Cup 2022 in Qatar. I'll talk you through what I consider to be the, the sort of nine front runners, if you can have nine front runners. Brazil (laughs) at four to one, the favourites. Argentina, 11 to two, second favourites. Then a bit of a jump to France at seven to one, Spain at nine to one, England at nine to one. Bet UK have Germany, 12 to one, Netherlands, 13 to one, and Portugal, 16 to one, with Belgium out at 18 to one. Then there's a little gap to your Denmark's, your Croatia's, your Uruguay's between 33s uh, and 50s, and then all of the rest, 70 to one uh, or longer. Mark, I love talking to you before a new season, a new tournament, because I know the research that you put in, and I love hearing about any trends that you've uncovered, um, with the World Cup in particular. How have favourites fared heading into the last few tournaments? Not
3: so great, because Brazil <laughs> have been the favourites for the last uh, four right. competitions since they last won the competition. Uh, France, as a favourite, bombed out in 2002 in the group stage. But apart from that, it's pretty much been Brazil topping the... Mm-hmm topping the market and, as we all know, they haven't won it since, uh, when is it? Mm, 2002. 2002, yeah, correct. Um, but this feels like the best opportunity for them yeah. to do so since then. Um, they're really sort of... It's, it's Chiche's last last opportunity, really, to, to have proper success with this Brazilian team. He's been in charge for well over a four-year cycle. I think squad-wise, you look at them, they're stacked in almost all areas. And I think this it's not just the squad, it's actually the team, the system, they all know what's required, and it, the balance of the team just looks right. Um, so probably 12 months ago, I had my doubts of them being mm-hmm. market favourites, but right now I look at them at 4-1, to one and I think that's absolutely fair enough. The draw's not been massively kind. It's a difficult group, and then their route to the final on paper is, is tricky, but um, I think they deserve to be 4-1 to favourites. And, uh, you know, you can pick holes in almost every team in this competition. Mm-hmm. You can pick the fewest holes in the Brazilian squad, and I know football... Doesn't always lend itself to the favourites. You know, winning. It's a low-scoring sport. Variance yeah. happens. Low-scoring games equal underdog opportunities. But um, I think, hands down, Brazil are the best best team in this competition, and that's probably. Uh, yeah, I can't di- I can't disagree with four to one, put it that way. I mm-hmm. can back them at that price happily, and, and okay. sort of believe they've got a good opportunity to lift the trophy.
0: Would you be agreeing with that and, and getting with Brazil? Or will you be looking elsewhere for your outright winner?
2: I think brazil definitely in the in the them in the top two favorites I, I do fancy argentina slightly to edge them out mm-hmm. like they did in the copper america um i think this argentina has a great balance between pragmatism and flair there's a lot of strong defensive players who have a lot of intensity and high work rate and aggression mm. i think that could push them over the line ahead of brazil who have got a bit more attacking flair in those front four slots but yeah, Argentina I think defensively have that attitude which, is, which uh, lends itself very well to tournament football and I think Messi as well, the form he's in, I think this is actually the closest we've seen to peak Messi for a while, wow. even in his last season at Barcelona so I think he could push him over the line and Lautaro as well is in good form. They've also won, obviously, the Cop
1: America recently, so that's a massive, massive weight off their shoulders. In, which the American are as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah, which is, I, de- I definitely, I think this has been hanging over them for an awful long time, and Messi mm-hmm. in particular. He was, you know, expected to do something, finally did it. You can see how much it meant to him when he did, so I think Argentina, are, yeah, they're incredibly well-placed, I reckon. Um, once again, obviously, recently, they've got past Brazil to win the Copa America, so, uh, yeah, I think they, they've got a very good shout, personally, they are my favorite going against it. Um, you know, uh, Brazil obviously could be, but uh, Argentina to me, I, I, they're my they would be
0: my sweet Put it mm. that way. at a chunk, chunkier prices. Which of the following do we want to sort of hitch our wagon to? France at seven to one, Spain at nine to one, England at nine to one, Germany twelve to one, Netherlands thirteens, and Portugal sixteen. Belgium eighteen to one. Instinctively, Mark stands out to me because of how, how good I perceive them to be going forward. Um, and yet, yeah, I'm worried I might be missing something here. Who's that, which one? Belgium at 18 to one, the, <laughs> the longest of the nine. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in. Well, Belgium
3: uh, are the, probably the, the main ones of that nine I want to be against in this competition. So there you go. they're the one. Amazing yeah. how quickly my opinion has changed. <laughs> <laughs> Straight they're, away, they're the ones I can see out of all of those teams having a, an early exit. Okay. So um, as <laughs> uh, honest, I wouldn't back any of them at, at those prices. <laughs> I'd be looking beyond that. Um, and obviously, it's massively reliant on the draw. But Denmark, we've talked about. If they win that group, they avoid Argentina in the last 16, and then the price contracts significantly. Mm. Uh, Uruguay, we talked about, is potentially topping that group. If mm. they do so, they avoid Brazil. Um, their odds will contract massively as well when they get into the knockout stage. And, and they're the two China kind of teams who we know set up, uh, in terms of how they will set up, they'll be very difficult to beat, um, very physical. And uh, I always like a team like that who are, mm. you know, if you're a, an opponent going into a game against Uruguay, you're not exactly relishing it are you? you know this is going to be a battle we know this is going to be a, a dogfight and you could probably say the same about Denmark too and I think that's always a an asset to have on your team if you're mm. on your side if you're looking at a bigger price so I, I agree with the lads I think it's, if it's not Brazil it's probably gonna be Argentina I would happily avoid
0: all the European nations right now apart from Denmark and uh, Europe so. Stephen It's very rare that a dark horse or a long shot wins the tournament, but that doesn't mean that you can't still go deep within it. It England have got a chance. (laughs) (laughs) In terms of semi-finalists, you know, Croatia in 2018, Got Turkey uh, back in the day. Did we have um, Uruguay reaching the semi final as well? I think in 2010 was it? So uh, of of the of the the long shots of the outsiders, who do you think has the best chance of going the deepest? Shall we say?
1: You look at the odds and you're like Wales have proven that they can do crazy things in the competition. Once again, that's entirely emotional, but that's the kind of side that they are. And- uh, then you know Serbia, they have goals in them, and goals matter in knockout competitions. Mm. Um, you, would anyone be surprised if you know someone puts across a cross from me, his head and you know, they go through to the quarters? Yeah, suddenly that's not that would be unheard of. Um, well, it would actually, but you know, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it could actually happen. And there, there, there are potential are upsets once again with the weather being a bit of a leveler and the time of the time of the year. You know, it's it's going to be Christmas time, and it's it's a strange tournament by default anyway, given. Um, given when it's happened, given the heat and so on, so there's a lot of the quality will be levelled out by fitness and preparation and so on. So yeah, a couple of teams like that for me. Um, yeah, yeah, Serbia, maybe Wales. Who knows what USA can do? I, they're not going to do anything incredible, but you never know. They could get to the, yeah, to the knockout stages uh, and surprise a few people.
0: Raj, tactical expertise coming out your ears. Um, what does that <laughs> what does that point to out of the the long shots, the outsiders?
2: I fancy the Croats. As I, as I mentioned uh-huh. earlier, they do remind me a bit like Real Madrid where they, they just need one phase of play where they get it all together and they'll cut through you at will, really. So, yeah, those, those odds look pretty appealing to me. And also the Dutch I mentioned, as, as I said, they don't have those stars, but they play to the strengths of their most talented players. Mm. And that back three I really like, uh, and they can get you a, uh, give you a platform in any game, even against major teams. So those two are probably the ones outside the favourites.
0: 13-1 to 1 for, for the Netherlands, I'd, I'd be pretty happy for Louis van Gaal to win a World Cup. I think that would be a, uh, a fun way for him to bow out of the management. Content. <laughs> the, content, you know? the content would be unbelievable. <laughs> Mark doesn't like him because he once called QPR Queen's Park Raisins. <laughs> uh, and, uh, That's a reason uh, to love him, uh, surely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You've always been very offended since then. Uh, let's talk Golden Boot, uh, top scorer. Uh, of course, uh, Harry Kane, 2018 Golden Boot winner, thanks to that group game against Panama. Um, uh, he is the favourite in the market with Bet UK as well, eight to one to win the Golden Boot. Benzema, the, the Ballon d'Or winner, is nine to one to win the Golden Boot, and Bappe nine to one. Messi at tens, Neymar thirteen to one. Then we got Ronaldo fifteen to one, Memphis Depay twenty two to one, same as Lautaro, Martinez, Lukaku at twenty four to one. Then we're getting to Rafinha and Gabriel Jesus and Vinicius Junior. They're all at thirty to one um, with Bet UK. I think this is a. a an interesting market. I think that there, there must be some value at chunkier prices, Mark, in terms of, yeah. of trends in this market. What happens in the golden boot market in World Cups? Does the favourite win it?
3: Uh, not always, no. Only two favourites have won or even placed in the top goal scorer market since 1994, which like is a, you know, obviously a back mark against Harry Kane, who I think was a 16 to 1 shot four years ago mm-hmm. um, doing the business. The average price of the top goal scorer since 1994 is 56 to 1, and over the last 11. Four of them have been priced up at 100 to 1 or large. Wow. Wow. James Rodriguez was 150 to 1 back in Brazil. Wow. Uh, 14 of the last 17 top goal scorers or shared top goal scorer winners reached at least the semi-finals. Mm-hmm. And 13 scored at least two goals in the group stage. Obviously it helps to to sort of get your figures up in, in the group stage against the,
1: the minnows of the group should we say what's Musiala at? does anyone know because that's the kind of person I can imagine just scoring you know a He's couple a of races, race thunder, oh, no, I'm so sorry yeah. we I go over to you <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: we haven't got a price for Musiala some of, the, some of the longer odds Lewandowski at 40 to 1 Sane 40s Sterling 40s Nabry 45 to 1 Griezmann 45 to 1 Mitro and Nunez and Ferran Torres are at, at 50 to 1 um, Raj uh, any goal scorers you want to be getting with uh, ahead of the World Cup?
2: I think Lautaro Martinez is the one that stands out to me. That group looks pretty weak for, for Argentina to, to beat a, to a few teams uh, handsomely. Mexico, Saudi Arabia, I see Lautaro notching up a hat-trick or two in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then outside of that, Darwin Nunez at 50. I think that's actually, a, was it 50 did you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a yeah, decent price. Uh, if we expect Uruguay to cause a few shocks. And he's in good form. Scored two against Southampton at the weekend, so yeah, that could be a decent bet.
0: Mark, you just talked about all of the different trends that the, the stats. When you put them all into your model, apply it to this twenty twenty two World Cup market. What gets spat out as value? Lautaro
3: Martinez, massive, massive fan of that price. Um, consider Messi what ten to one. Lautaro has uh, been in fantastic goal scoring form for Argentina under Scaloni and uh, really sort of found his place there. you will have. Uh, all laid on a plate really from Messi and, mm-hmm. uh, and Di Maria, you know, it's a match made in heaven really. But it's a bigger price, um, which on odds you'll probably get at least 120 to 1, probably a lot bigger, would be Jamal Masiala um, playing wow. at the tip of that uh, German attack, he's being written off. You look at the price of Sane, uh, Muller, uh, Gnabry, um, Havertz, he's a million miles away from price-wise mm-hmm. and he's I think he's got 11 in 13 for Bayern in yeah, the Bundesliga, flight, flight. his record in the Champions League is exceptional. Um, he, is, he is the real business, and I
0: think this Germany team will score goals. And he will be—he'll be one of the better players at this World Cup for sure. Exciting, a good name to have flagged up there. Um, what about the Golden Ball? This is player of the tournament rather than top goal scorer. Um, how often is it the same player that wins the Golden Boot? Who wins this award, Mark? Uh, Not often, actually. Um, Veterans tend to
3: thrive in this. Mm -hmm. Four of the last five have been aged 30 or over. Narrative. Yes. Narrative based
0: award. And narrative is exactly
3: (laughs) why I think people are best advised to split their stakes between Lionel Messi and Neymar. Right, the two favourites. Messi
0: and Neymar both 9 to 1. Just to give some of the other um, well fancied names Mbappe 11 to 1, Benzema 13 to 1, De Bruyne 15 to 1, Kane 17 to 1, Vinicius at 20 to 1. So it's clearly. You know, uh, priced up the the best players for the most well fancied teams are being priced up here. Yeah, uh, and you want the you want the the joint favs. Well, they're the obvious
3: picks, aren't they? They're probably playing in their last World Cup. For Messi, definitely is. And uh, if they were to win the World Cup or go close, let's say we have a, a surprise winner outside of the top two in the market, um, they're still going to be there or thereabouts. Modric won it without having to win the competition outright. And uh, mm. I think as long as as long as they have a decent tournament, they're going to be in this uh, in the reckoning for sure. If you split your stakes, you're basically thinking about and after one um Mm -hmm. for either to win which i think is a obviously look at the price of the two teams to win outright if brazil are to win neymar's going to be very much up there as one of the contenders if argentina win i think it's close to i'm going to say it's a guarantee but it's going to be very very hard to dissuade people from 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 messy for sure so you know if you if you were to sort of back both brazil and argentina to win the competition you get about 15 to eight. You actually back both Neymar and Messi to win the golden uh, the golden ball, not the
2: boot. Um, you're getting about four and a half to one, so double the price.
0: Quite difficult to argue with the logic there, Raj. Any other names you want to flag up?
2: Yeah, I think Memphis Depay could be a decent child if the Dutch uh, could get a bit further in the competition. I think he, as I mentioned, he's a creator and a goal scorer, and that always lends itself well to being up for a golden ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he could be one. Uh, and as we mentioned, uh, Messi, as Mark mentioned, I think he, he's on fire, so that, that, that would be where I'd be heading, and obviously split it uh, to get that 4 to 1 price.
0: Okay. Well, quite strong Netherlands vibes from you, Raj, here. Yeah. I, I like that. I like how that's just oozed out of you over the course <laughs> of the, <laughs> you the want hour narrative, by
2: the way. You know,
1: Denmark do well, Ericsson at 17 1. Yeah. That's, that's a narrative for you right there, yeah. isn't it? It really is, and that, that, could, that could
0: tempt a few people. That's interesting. Do you think there's a chance, Mark, if Denmark got to the semis and lost, let's say, which. You know, given how much we like them as a dark horse option, isn't out of the question. Do, do you think it's there's a chance that Eriksen could win the Golden Ball with his team hypothetically losing at the semi-final stage in lieu of a, a Messi or a Neymar if their team wins it?
3: Yeah, it, it's happened before. Um, you know, if you look at the numbers, it's predominantly for teams who reach the final, uh-huh. but it's happened before that semi-finalists have uh, have actually uh, you know provided the winner. So it's not without question for sure, but. Um, my question is: Do Denmark get that far? I think they can play above their odds, but um, we'll have to wait and
0: see. Well, Christian Eriksen seventy to one uh, to to win this Golden Ball with Bet UK. Uh, Luka Modric, the the last winner at fifty to one uh, as well. And sadly, that's it uh, for our World Cup preview. Um, brought to you by Oddschecker in association with Bet UK. Don't forget to check out their best ever sign up offer, which is available right now and it's bet 19 pounds get 66 pounds in free bets the spirit of 1966 is what bet uk are going for uh, for their world cup offer also check out the odds checker site where our world cup previews and our content and all of the markets uh, are, are all up um, the site is is laden with world cup markets including best uh, all the best boosts around from all of the bookmakers uh, our very own acca scout as well if you're looking for more insight uh, and, uh, and and just make sure that you are liking this video, subscribing uh, to the podcast, to the YouTube channel as well. And thank you for sitting through this with us. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to Raj, to talk to Mark, Stephen as well. The World Cup's just days away. It's going to be absolutely fascinating. Thanks for watching.